Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek, early in the morning Bible study. Praise God. Why don't you grab your Bibles today? Meet me in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's talk today about practical holiness. And uh, we want to understand clearly how we can walk and please the Lord in our daily lives. I, I really like chapter four. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the latter part of the chapter, as well as chapter five, really kind of moves into the prophetic end time events. That's a fascinating study. Uh, but today, let's talk about something that's very, very important in the eyes of the Lord that sometimes is not mentioned too much uh, in in the church pulpit or talked too much. But I think I think it's something that's critical for our access into the deeper walk with the Lord. And uh, uh, certainly I think anybody that's a Christian would agree that it's basic fundamentals of Christian living. But uh, as you walk with the Lord and go on with the Lord, you'll realize also this is essential for drawing near to the heart of God. We will be today in First Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would turn on the light, that as your word comes in, the light would come in, that we can take today's message and we can apply it to our lives from day one right now. And we thank you that it's working in our lives. We receive it by faith. And we thank you, Father God, that we are not just hearers, but we are very good hearers and we are doers of the word applying the truths that we receive. Now we thank you in Jesus' name. Agree with me and say amen. Praise God. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus. Well, uh, three previous chapters, of course, rolling towards the conclusion of the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Thessalonica, saying, finally then. So he's going to kind of pull things together and give a good uh, gist of what he's trying to get across to them. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. That's really what we're talking about today. We want to talk about how we walk. That's not, that's not the movement of our legs. You understand that, right? That's Christian terminology or biblical language for how we conduct our lives, how you ought to walk and to please God. You can, as a believer, you can displease God, you also can please God, just like a child can either please the parents or could do some things wrong, even deliberately, and displease the parents. We want to be in good relationship with the Lord and please Him. And I, th I think as we go into the subject today of holiness, that it's important to understand that there's a difference between holiness and righteousness. Righteousness is something that as a Christian, you already have. You see that very clearly. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, uh, you'll see that divine exchange that took place at Calvary, where we became the righteousness of God because of our position of being in Christ. Okay. So righteousness is a position 
that you already have just as a benefit. And there's many, but as a benefit of being in Christ, God looks at you as being righteous. Why? Because his son is righteous. And if you're in the son, we know he's righteous. Well, because of your place in him, righteousness is also attributed to you as well. So uh, you may not feel righteous, you may wake up in the morning, maybe your body aches, maybe you have a headache, didn't get enough sleep, maybe the mattress wasn't comfortable, and maybe you don't even feel righteous, maybe you don't even feel saved, but because of your faith relationship with God uh, and who you are in Christ, you're still good to go. It's not based on feelings, it's based on a position of what Jesus made available for us. And we stepped into it when we stepped into him. So righteousness is something that you already have. You don't have to work at it from the perspective of becoming more righteous. You, uh, it's like, uh, salvation. You're, you're saved. You can't get any more saved. You're forgiven. You can't get any more forgiven. You're loved by God. You can't be loved anymore, uh, except for your ability to receive the love of God. But righteousness is something that is already a right standing with you. Um, I think, I think, although this is ABCs really of Christianity, you'd be surprised how many believers don't understand that. I have seen people stand up in church, give testimonies, uh, one person I, I can't, can't help but think, think of comes to my mind, a pastor's wife that stood up in the church to give a, a testimony. You know, a testimony is supposed to have a note of victory of overcoming. <laughs> and she stood up in the church and she said, well, I thank God that God saved me because all I am is just a filthy piece of trash. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> and I, thought, you know, I was at the guest speaker and I thought, Oh my goodness, I've got to come and preach after all of this uh, false religious baloney. And uh, no, you're not a dirty old sinner. You used to be before you were saved. But now that you're a believer, you have a new nature and you have a new standing right standing with God. That's what righteousness means, right standing with God. Well, that uh, dear sister, the pastor's wife who gave her quote testimony, she didn't understand that because she's in Christ, his righteousness is attributed to her. She still saw herself as dirty, uh, probably uh, unforgiven, depending on the mood of God. God loves me. God doesn't love me. And uh, whatever. So it's good to be established in the faith and understand who you are in Christ. Now we have righteousness a little bit identified. Holiness is different. Holiness is something that is developed that you grow into. There are things today that I don't do that I used to do when I first got saved. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I still did some things that I don't do anymore today. I remember uh, defining moments certain things where I just knew that's not pleasing to God. And I said, Lord, that's something I've always enjoyed, at least from a carnal perspective. Uh, but Lord, um, you know, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. What's going on? We learn how we ought to walk and to please God. You learn. So holiness is something that you develop. You, you learn what's pleasing to the Lord and you step into it. Oh, it can be a challenge because the flesh doesn't like to let go of some things that really pamper it and treat it well. 
But I, I, I believe if there's anything that's holding you back from your walk with the Lord, and of course, anything that's wrong, you need, you need to deal with it. Even the Lord Jesus, when he talked about sin, various types of sin, he, he said, if your eye causes you to eye gout, if your eye is causing you to sin, gouge your eye out. If your right hand is causing you to sin, cut your right hand off. Now he's using what we know as hyperbole. Uh, uh, hyper means to go beyond bo, uh, bole in the Greek means to throw. So it's uh, throw beyond is an exaggerated statement trying to make an emphatic point. The Lord's not asking you to literally gouge your eye out because you can be blind and still have thoughts that are impure. You can cut your hand off and you could still use the other hand. Well, now you got to cut your feet off. Now you're, now you're in a mess. Okay. That's not what he's trying to say. Literally. He's trying to make a point. And everybody understood that in Jewish culture in his day, he's trying to make a point deal seriously with sin and be very serious about cutting things off that are displeasing to God and moving forward uh, with even when it takes effort, moving forward intentionally into holiness. Praise the Lord. And we are to bound more and more in this. Paul said, just as you receive from us, how you ought to walk and to please God. So let's talk a little bit about that today, how we're supposed to walk, uh, how we're supposed to live our life practically, and how to please God. Praise the Lord. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So the teachings of Jesus passed on to the apostles. They heard it with their own ears uh, and then taught to others, taught to Paul. Uh, you know, you can just imagine Paul talking to Peter and John saying, look, tell me all the primary commandments that Jesus said while he was with you guys. I, I want to know all of it. So all of these things were written down. All these things were orally taught. And these are the commandments of the Lord. Paul taught them to the church in Thessalonica, and uh, he teaches them to us so that we can have uh, the privilege of walking in the light of God's will and word. Verse three, for this is the will of God. Okay, so what he's going to say is, was taught by Jesus, taught by the apostles, this is the will of God. Your sanctification, sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. What is sanctification? The word sanctification, the word holiness, are synonymous. They're both one and the same. Uh, it's the same word that we use the word saint. It would mean the same thing. Sanctification, holiness, saint, all wrapped up into the same uh, a core meaning. Let's see if we can pull that out a little bit. If you look at the word sanctification or holiness in the Greek, uh, it would be defined as sacred, set apart from the profane, and set apart for God's usage. My wife was telling me about a Christian woman who's a very famous singer who, when the world wanted her to sing some songs, Whenever she sang the world's songs, uh, it was just emptiness, the singer said. But whenever she would sing a worship song, it was just full of the life of God. People would be like, wow, what a singer. Uh, and so she made a commitment. I will never sing anything except songs that worship and glorify God. And she has become quite well known. And uh, she has held to that, that what we could even call sanctified 
uh, commitment, and the Lord has honored that. She will not sing any what we would call secular music, praise God. So holiness in the Greek New Testament meaning means sacred, set apart from the profane, and also set apart for God. Now in the Hebrew, the word holiness uh, means uh, to cut, and it's a cutting in order to separate this from that separating the clean from the unclean. So basically when we pull it all together, holiness is a cutting off or a separation from what is unclean. And it is a move to a commitment to what is pure and what is pleasing to God. Now you will see very clearly here in first Thessalonians chapter four verses one through eight, that holiness personal sanctification is directly linked to sexual purity. I want to say this to you, and uh, I'd like for you to take this to heart. Your sexual purity really is a big deal to God. Oh, you're, you're not going to get a pat on the back for being morally pure from the world. They're not going to say, good job. <laughs> you're, you're living a clean and holy life. They're, they're not going to do that. But just because uh, in our society today, uh, it's, it's not, it's not even celebrated by any means. It's actually mocked and ridiculed, but I want you to know, and God wants you to know that your sexual purity is very, very important and a big deal in the eyes of God. Now, uh, verse three, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is what sets you apart. Okay. Uh, in Christ, this is one of the marks of being set apart that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now there's biblical definitions of the various means of sexual immorality. Uh, that, that can be extensive. So we're not going to cover it. We're just going to leave the main title there, there uh, sexual immorality. The Bible tells you what's right. The Bible tells you what's wrong. Uh, so that can be clearly defined by the Bible. Don't use uh, our, uh, how, can we, how can we say, the, the modern views of sexuality. Don't, don't use that because the, the modern view is anything goes. <laughs> you know, with the false illusion, as long as you don't hurt somebody, you can do anything you want. Uh, that's not scriptural. Um, so the Bible gives clear definition of the various forms of sexual immorality. I think you know that. And so I'm going to move past that because the, the, for the viewers that watch, you and I both know what's right. We both know what's wrong. We want to d- delve more into tapping in into the holiness tying into it, how to walk in it. Okay. Verse four, that each of you, now he's writing to the believers at the church in in Thessalonica, that each of you should know how to possess his own body and sanctification and honor. Now, during the time of the apostle Paul, when so many of these areas that he ministered at, which would be called Gentile areas outside of Israel, ministering to the Gentiles, many of those areas, if not most of them, were under uh, Roman jurisdiction, Roman oversight. And so there was a lot of Roman temples, uh, the various Caesars that ruled over Rome and these vast empires, the Caesars were worshipped 
as a form of a uh, living type God. Uh, and so there were, there were uh, temples that you could go to to worship Caesar. There were temples for all types of uh, gods, the sea god Poseidon, uh, the god of war, Mars, and then, you know, the messenger god Mercury, and on and on it goes. So you had all these uh, temples everywhere. At many of these temples, you had prostitutes, and whenever you would come to the temple to worship the God, whatever God it was, then you would also have, you would bring an offering, but you would also have a relation with the temple prostitute. And often there were, you know, quite a few prostitutes working at the larger temples. So Paul is writing to believers who have been saved out of backgrounds where temple prostitution and sexual immorality were just common. And I've read, you know, some of the writings from the Roman senators, uh, the Roman leaders of the day. And, you know, they would make statements that for somebody to abstain from sex with the temple prostitutes is uh, absurd and, you know, very suspicious. You know, in other words, you're suspicious if you're not what we would call immoral. So um, this was a, this was a culture, the Roman culture, culture that was uh, seething in sexual immorality in all forms, any kind you can think of it, uh, and just as much of it as you could avail yourself to. And so people are getting saved out of that uh, along with salvation. There, there then begins the work of the renewing of the mind. <laughs> and that's a job. That's a job to begin to think differently, to view things differently, and also to find out what pleases God. Now that you're a Christian, what is it that, how should I walk? How should I live my life? And how should I please the Lord? So Paul speaking to that church many years ago, uh, you realize that today Paul could speak and the same message is still relevant because there are people still getting saved every day coming out of American culture, coming out of secular culture or whatever country you're living in, uh, uh, in Europe, the sexual laws are very lax. I mean, I've been to Europe oftentimes and you can open up a newspaper, you know, and, and there's full blown nudity. Uh, on the newspaper. You don't see that in America. It's against the law here in America, but other places of the world, uh, if you're a Christian, you're not going to be wanting to read the, the newspaper uh, because it's loaded with uh, pictures of nude people. Uh, so uh, th- these are all things when you come out of the darkness of the world, you have to learn how God expects you to live and what's pleasing to him. And so Paul's talking about that. And I want to talk about that too, because your your walk with the Lord and your sex, sexual purity uh, is very important to going uh, deeper into the knowledge of God and having a, a close walk with the Lord. Because Jesus said the pure in heart, they will see God. They will see God. And if you want to have the deeper walk with the Lord, uh, where the spirit realm begins to open up the glory realm and you, you begin to uh, access the sacred things of God, uh, that that is for those that have the pure heart and, and your eyes are sanctified and God can take you into those places and you actually feel comfortable there. Praise the Lord Jesus. We want to talk about this today, that each of you, the, the believers there in Thessalonica, that each of you should know how to possess. Now the word possess here means to control 
means to manage and means to master your own uh, body. The, the Greek is actually the word vessel, uh, but it's uh, best translated as your body, knowing how to possess and control and manage and master your body. Uh, I've done a lot of study here on the word vessel or body, as some translations uh, uh, just bring it out. And if you look at all the references in the scriptures, old and new, to the word vessel, it's very fascinating that some theologians have realized that, yes, the vessel is referring to the body, but actually there appears to be, when you look at all the different um when you study all the times that the word vessel is used and you see the reference to it as reflected as a body, it's actually sometimes implying the sexual organs of the body. And that would fit very well with what the apostle Paul is teaching right here, that each of you should know how to possess his body, particularly the sexual organs of your body. Okay. In sanctification and honor sanctification. And so sanctification means set apart for God set apart sanctification, holiness, or saint being a saint denotes that there is a separation. There's something different between the way you live your life and the Gentiles who are out there living the way they live their lives where anything goes, where it's just normal for them to sleep around where, uh, you know, uh, fornication is normal for the unmarried, uh, adultery. It's like, you know, it's kind of frowned on still, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, people sometimes think, well, it just happens. And that, you know, all these various things, oh my goodness. So there is a, there's a great distinction in your life of separation when your body is consecrated and sanctified and set apart for the Lord. Praise God that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, his own body, the sexual organs of your body in sanctification, being set apart from the way the world does it and honor and honor. Even the world that doesn't know God, even the, the atheist, even the unbelievers, they, they don't in a sense celebrate adultery. What country on the face of the earth celebrates adultery. Even if people do it, they, tr- they, they usually try to not get caught in it. Why? Because it denotes that, that that's not good. That there's now we know it's not right because the Bible says it's not right. But, um, but some things are not celebrated. They, they reflect unfaithfulness. They reflect that you're not trustworthy. They reflect that you're not stable. So there is, there is great honor in having your body sanctified unto the Lord. Oh, that's not important. Pastor Stephen. Oh yes, it is. There's a big difference between dishonorable and honorable. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Hmm. Wow, there, there is there 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 is honor in purity. Woo! Yes, there is honor in purity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's continue on. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, his own body, in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not 
no God. Wow. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Did you notice that in God's word right here, as the apostle Paul is writing this, that a direct link exposing the root of lust is revealed right in that one phrase, right in that one statement. I want to read it again. See if you catch it. It reveals the root problem of lust, why it takes place, why it's, why it's going on again. Verse five, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. What is the root issue with lust? You don't know the Lord. <laughs> that's it. That, that's primarily why the Gentiles are caught up in all kinds of lust. Why? They don't know God. Oh, maybe they know the Jesus of Christmas season. Maybe they know that when Easter comes that, or what we know as Passover, maybe they know that Christians celebrate, uh, you know, the Lord, that maybe there's something to do with resurrection, that maybe the Gentiles know a little bit about that, but they don't have true knowledge of God. And so here again, it says, um, that each of you should know how to possess his own body in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Lust is directly linked to not knowing God. A true revelation of God's majesty, his phenomenal mind boggling holiness and his grace. Because the amazing thing about the grace of God that sinners don't know is that the grace is there to give pardon for your sin, but grace for those who know God also know that there's grace to keep you from stumbling in the first place. So those that are in the world that are all tangled up in lust, they don't know God. They don't know the grace of God, the beauty of God, the holiness of God. See the old Testament priest, the high priest had a, a crown on his head and right here on the forehead area, it said, holy unto the Lord, holy mind, holy thought life. Oh, praise God. And so the more of the living, true knowledge of God, I'm not talking about just like rote scripture memorization where you've memorized a bunch of things, but it, you don't even know what it means. And it's, it's not like even anything, even uh, like uh, vitally living to you. It's just an academic study. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having real, true knowledge of God. And you're like, Lord, you know, I love you and I don't want to get involved in that because that's displeasing to you. And I don't want to hurt our relationship. And Lord, I also, I, I'm not going to be involved in lust because that's, that hurts somebody else. Oh yes. Lust does. What is lust is base is basically wanting to extract something from somebody else for your own pleasure. And it has no agape love in it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It does not have agape love in it. See, that's why people that commit fornication, for example, they use each other for sex, but fornication is sex outside of the boundaries of marriage. 
well, why don't, why don't they get married? Because they don't really love each other. It's just lust. Gratify my carnal cravings, and then when I'm done, see you later, or maybe never see you again. See, that, that's hurting a person. That's abusing a person. That's doing a person wrong. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. The closer that you get to the Lord, the more that you know the Lord, the more you begin to move away from anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You know, today, as Paul was writing to the church today, we live in an era that's even very different. I know, I, I know sexual immorality was very, very prevalent in Paul's day, uh, what, uh, sometimes right out in the open and uh, things along that line. But even, even today, we have things in our generation that have never been seen on the uh, surface of the world before. Uh, it, it's possible to see things uh, quickly through, for example, the Internet. You can be in deep sin in three seconds if you want to on the Internet. It's all there. Not only is it there, <coughs> excuse me, not only is it there, but it's there to view and see just as much of it as you want. So anything that your mind could think of that's, that's full of lust, you could, you, if you can just search it out, it's going to be out there somewhere. And then uh, it's there to be viewed continually, 24 hours a day, if a person wanted to do that. But that's never been available before in the history of the world. We also have cable television and satellite television. And you can sit there on your large screen, 70 inch TV, and you can watch all of the sin that you want and not just watch it. You could see it in 4k color and just, you know, it's just, there are things that give access to sin. Unlike any other generation on the face of the earth has ever faced. So your purity, your sanctification, your personal holiness in the area of your sexuality is a tremendous sign of the cutting off of the old way of the living in the world and now living for the Lord. And just just sexual purity alone is a tremendous distinguishing mark between the believer and the unbeliever who does not know God. I think the, uh, the mantra, the theme of the world of the American culture is that if it feels good, just do it. That, that I think, I think that's the theme out there. If it feels good, if there's pleasure in it, just do it. But what does the Bible say? How you ought to walk and to please God. For this is the will of God. You're being set apart that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Any and every form of sexual immorality, abstain from it. And of course, you know, that's the basics of not looking at you know, the, uh, what would, how can we call it? The adult channels on the cable networks. You have to be real careful about that because if you sign up for cable TV or satellite TV, as you know, you might just get a basic package and think that you're just getting the local news and, uh, maybe like a country Western channel or, you know, uh, my, my dad used to always like watching the, uh, the Western channels, you know, with John Wayne and people like that. But you know, a lot of these 
networks and cable networks or or um you know big satellite companies they'll throw in all these free packages and they're usually the upper numbers you know uh you start scrolling through the uh remote and you get up to the high numbers and suddenly it gets into all this whoa i didn't know that came with the package no they just threw that in there uh very very dangerous stuff uh, you have to be careful about that. Uh, the last thing you want is for yourself or your children to be going through a remote control and come across stuff. I know some of it's pay channels. You have to pay to see it, but just um, skipping over the channels and the things that they would announce, even though you have to pay to see it, just that all that stuff you want to stay completely away from. You want to stay away from anything that's sexually immoral. Your sexual purity is very big in the eyes of God in a world that is getting grosser with sin and getting darker with sin. The light of the Lord upon your life in this area is a very, very distinct mark. And it's something to be guarded, something to be cherished and something to be fervently protected. Praise God. You know, there's, um, even certain sporting events, I, I don't watch. I, I'm not into the cheerleader stuff. I, I don't like that. I, I like baseball. No cheerleaders running around with little skimpy clothes on, trying to show their bodies off with men, you know, sitting there, uh, not even watching the football game. They're sitting there watching the women. Uh, I, I don't go for stuff like that. And I, I know a lot of you guys, some of you guys, you're, you're hearing me uh, preach right now, and you watch that, and you'll sit there and look at it, uh, and, uh, you, and you eat it up. But you might as well get it out of your system because when you go to heaven, it's not going to be anywhere in heaven. Everybody in heaven is clothed properly. There are no women with low-cut tops. There's no women with little short shorts running around and stuff like that. Uh, that you know, you might as well begin to face reality. Uh, by, by the way, if that's not in heaven and you don't like that, there's another place you can go. <laughs> <laughs> right? But there's only two destinations after life, heaven or hell. Praise God. So you need to get yourself ready for heaven. You need to get yourself ready for heaven. I think it's tragic, borderline comical, tragic, but borderline silly that remember years back when you, uh, you had the Super Bowl and, uh, there's a man and woman singing during halftime and they called it a wardrobe malfunction. And I guess the lady who was singing, uh, her clothes were pulled off and it exposed her breast or something like that. One of her breasts or something like that. And there was an uproar. Oh yes. The Christian community leaders in the Christian community came out. Such stuff like this should never be allowed. Precautions must be taken to never, uh, to make sure this never happens again. Here's my question. Let's say the clothes never got tore off. I never saw it. So I, I'm not really interested in it. I'm just using it as an example. Let's say her top never got tore off. What in the world would any Christian be doing watching them dance and sing that trash in the first place? Who, who cares if the top got tore off? What were, what were you doing even watching that without the top being tore off? Well, Pastor Stephen, that's the halftime show. That's just what we do. 
That's why Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, basically saying, I know what you used to do. I know what you used to watch. I know about all the temples. I've been to your city. I know what's there. I know what you came out of. Let me talk with you about how God wants you to live how you ought to walk and to please God for this is the will of God yours being set apart that you should abstain from sexual immorality well pastor Stephen I didn't do it I just I just looked at it you you keep looking and it's going to get stronger and then it'll just snap one day you might not even think you would but it'll look you don't want to toy with this stuff you don't want to be looking at things where that's the theme of what you're looking at. Praise God. Glory to God. Culture is going to continue to degrade. Are you ever going to draw a line or just sit there and look at anything? There, I, I do know some Christians, they'll sit there, they'll watch anything. I'm not saying they're not saved. I know they're saved. <laughs> I know they're going to heaven. They'll have to get it all worked out when they get there. But I know that the element of holiness, they're not developing that. And there are experiences, there are blessings, there are things they could step into, they can't get into. They can't get into. Why? They close their eyes, they try to lead into the things of God, images come up of what they've looked at, what they've seen. I'm not just talking to guys, there's ladies also that you, you don't dress appropriately, and you know exactly what you're doing, and you know why you're doing it. You, you, you have, you have, an emptiness in your heart that's not being filled by God. You're not allowing God to fill that space. So you like it when men look at you. you you're trying to use that as a inferior replacement to get compliments, to get attention. And you, you're doing it on purpose and you know you do it. And you, you like that. Why, 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 why do I do that, Pastor Stephen? Because you don't know the Father's love perhaps you never had it reflected to you in a natural father. So this is your way of acting out. But what you're actually doing is you're actually telling people, I'm not whole. I'm incomplete. There's something missing in my life. That's, that's actually, that's actually what's going on. It's like holding a sign up saying, I'm not loved by my father. I don't understand the love of God. So I'll take love any way I can, even cheaply. I'll take cheap love. That, that's exactly what's going on there. There's a deficit there. That's what that's revealing, a deficit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. They don't have God in them, so they feel that emptiness. Man was created to know God. Man was created to worship God, so they don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God, so they fill it with all kinds of other things as a substitute, and they're still empty. Praise God. But this is why Paul wrote these things to us, so that we can understand what makes God happy. Please the Lord. And stand before the Lord on that judgment day, not ashamed, not embarrassed, watch this, but able to look Jesus eyeball to eyeball, saying, Lord, I live for you. Lord, I, I don't take any glory. Your righteousness is my righteousness. But Lord, I look at you eye to eye because I don't, I don't have shame in my life. You've washed me clean from all sin, but also I have a good relationship with you. Now see, 
you'll know you're in that place. You can know you're in that place before you ever go to heaven. You know it now. You know it now. And this is why holiness must be practical. It must be practical. It must be day by day. It's not just Sunday. Some of you try to put a real good act on on Sunday. (laughs) Pastor Stephen, on Sunday, when I get around the other believers, I act very religious. Well, how do you act on Monday when you go to work? I'm not saying you carry a Bible around on the job at work or you, you know, you're quoting scriptures on the job when you're supposed to be working. I'm not talking about that, but you know, do you laugh at dirty jokes at work? Do you tell dirty jokes at work? Well, Pastor Stephen, they're, they're not directly dirty, but there is, you know, the hidden innuendo in there. Well, yeah, all that stuff is, is touching the grounds of sexual immorality. Paul said, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. That's not only actions, that's uh, of maybe going out and doing something, but that's behavior, that's words, that's what you say, not dropping little little hints or th- no, it's not doing that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is helping the church in this area to understand, to embrace the message of holiness. Praise the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. As King David said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So this is a growth. This is an ongoing development. You find out what pleases the Lord. You find out you sense also what's displeasing to him. And it's one of those areas where we're all at different points. We're all growing in this. We're all growing in this. And it's amazing sometimes what young believers just coming out of the world, what they think, what there's, you know, uh, I remember one, one Sunday morning uh, before the church service started, I was just kind of walking around and talking to my church members. And um, I asked one of them what she had done the night before. I said, Hey, what'd you do last night? Just making conversation. See, she was a brand new believer. She was in her thirties, but had just gotten saved serving the Lord, but just, just coming out of the world. And you know, all the stuff in the world that a person who hadn't lived for God, who was single caught up in all of it, living in all of it, but now saved really did love the Lord. Uh, but coming out of the world, but still got to get the mind renewed, still got to, got to begin to develop holiness. I said, Hey, um, so what'd you do last night? Oh, pastor Stephen, I, I went and I watched so-and-so and told me a movie. she named a movie that she had watched probably one of the most despicable disgusting movies that could be made even this was years back but even even today I don't know if a movie's been done that could I I didn't see it I, I you know just heard about it oh my goodness what a disgusting movie for a believer with the Holy Spirit living in you to sit there and watch that and then the next morning come the church Wow. See, though, all those things, though. See, I went through that too. I used to watch certain movies, and I could tell that, oh, this, Lord, this, I shouldn't be looking at stuff like this. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is helping the church to come into holiness. This is a, this is a weighty thing for the end time church because the world is going to get darker and more immoral, and they're going to wonder why you don't just come in and join them in 
all of the revelry that they run into. So there is going to be a distinct separation, a, a consecration, a cutting, a sanctification between those who are in the world and those who truly belong to the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Here's, here's a good verse that will help you whenever cravings of the lower nature hit your body. It doesn't mean it's necessarily even the devil. It's just your body still with a sin nature that you have to keep under. Pastor Stephen, when that old sin nature tries to, uh, these impulses try to, uh, these urges try to move me, what should I do? Let me share with you something that will help you. Just move uh, over to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Now, of course, you can, you can just meditate on 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 8. Those verses will help you. And you can also meditate on this. I love this one. Galatians 5, verse 24. And those who are Christ, those who belong to Christ, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Your flesh is going to have passions and desires. You don't have to shout amen. I know you already know that's true. (laughs) Until you leave this planet and go to be with the Lord, you're going to have to deal with your body. Your flesh is going to have passions and desires that are out of bounds according to scripture. And so what you need to do is just open your Bible and meditate on Galatians 5 verse 24. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if those urges hit you, just say, Jesus, I thank you that when you hung on that cross, I hung on that cross with you. That when you were crucified, I was crucified with you. And I consider myself dead to these urges that are trying to rise up in my body. Now, Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit come now with grace. Let your Holy Spirit come now with grace and disperse these crazy cravings and fill me with your grace and a heart for you. And you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how fast those urges just go kaplunk. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. But this is how you live. This is how you walk. And if you don't know this, this stuff, you'll just be like, wow, what's going on? Don't cooperate with that. Just meditate on the word, meditate on the Lord, ask Lord Jesus to help you with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come and he'll just absolve all of those cravings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, you're being filled with the Lord. You're being filled with the Lord. Uh, Let's take a look at Galatians 2.20. We're very close to it. These things will help you. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been, not going to be, I have been crucified with Christ. Well, uh, well, when was the Apostle Paul nailed on a cross and, and crucified? He wasn't physically, but he was spiritually in Christ, and so were you. Oh, no, you never went to Jerusalem, and Roman soldiers never took you and hung you on a cross. But in Christ, you were with him when he was suffering and dying. You, Paul says, were on that cross with him. 
And that in the eye of God, in the mind of God, the father is how he sees you in Christ, the son. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay. So any cravings, any urgings hit you just say, I've been crucified with Christ. I have been put to death on a cross with Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Jesus, the anointed one who lives in me. Let me give you one more, just some things to help you when those old base, crude, carnal passions and urges would try to hit your body, let these scriptures hit your mind so that your mind is not a carnal mind, but your mind is transformed into the mind of Christ. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you another heavy hitter. Wallop those passions and urges with this. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those passions rise up. Don't let that move you. You can experience those urges. Don't let don't let that move you have faith in the word and say, I consider myself dead to these feelings. I consider myself dead to sin. I consider myself dead to these impure uh, cravings that are trying to rise up. I'm dead to it. Your body will scream and say, no, you're not dead to it. You're alive to it. Say, no, I'm dead to it. Pastor Stephen how, how can I do that? Because you consider yourself dead to it because of what Jesus did for you and your placement into him, buried with him, raised with him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And there will come today when it is done and you receive a new glorified body that will never trouble you ever again. A new glorified body designed for eternity with no trace of a sin nature in it. And you will not need sleep. You will not even need food. You will be designed to live with God forever in heaven for all eternity. Till then, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. And just say, I'm dead to it. That's what I do. I just say, I'm dead to it. I have no interest in it. Say it out loud. You, of course, you know, you're keeping it to yourself, but say it. If you're, you're alone, say it out loud. I have no interest in it at all. Now, if you're feeding your flesh, watching things you shouldn't watch, being in atmospheres you should not be in, this is not going to work. Okay. You can't be hanging out the bar. You can't be going to these nightclubs and, and just say, I'm dead to it. No, no, you're, you're, you're trying to live for it. You need, you need to experience sanctification holiness, which is what it's a cutting. It's a cutting where there is a clear separation. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. This, this is this clean living. This pure living is where I'm telling you right now. It's where the joy is at. It is where the joy is at. 
Woo! You wake up in the morning and you feel good. Your conscience is clean. Your heart is right with God. Your heart is right with people. It is a blessing. And your personal sexual sanctification is very important in the eyes of God. You are a treasure in the eyes of God. Now, if you have made mistakes, if you have fallen short, if you have sinned, ask God to forgive you and he will cleanse you with the blood of his son. He will wash you whiter than snow and you'll be right back in right relationship with the Lord and then walk with the Lord and find out what's pleasing to God. And as we saw today, first Thessalonians four, what is pleasing to God is sanctification and sexual purity. This is very big in the eyes of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. The end time church will be overcoming in every single area, winning in finances, winning in wisdom, winning in all of uh, chambers of life. And very, very important winning in sexual purity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the hour of your freedom. This is the moment of your freedom. Anybody watching me, enslaved in some form of sexual immorality. Maybe you're bound to pornography. Maybe you're bound into various things. Some of these things, I don't even want to name them because it just, there's so much stuff out there. It's just, it's just, it's disgusting. We don't even need to get into it. But if you're bound in sexual perversion, sexual sin right now, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I release your grace now set that person free today is their day of jubilee their day of being set free from this bondage that has held them receive deliverance now in jesus name go forth and serve the lord you are free i declare it and decree it over your life you are free you never have to go back to the pig pen again haha <laughs> yes Glory to God. The blood of Jesus cleanses you and washes you from all sin and all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Jesus now establishes you on the holy ground. He washes it all, all sin away with his blood. And you are now in right standing with God. Praise the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be careful. My friends, there are many things out there where the enemy would like to, he would like to spoil this area of your life. Guard it. Guard it very, very much. It is very important to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Grace, grace upon your life. Let's take communion. The Lord's happy today. The Lord is happy that his word is going forth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, my friends, there's power in the cross. The cross, embracing the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. Embracing the crucified life. I'm dead to it. Anything that's pleasing to the Lord, God doesn't want me involved in, I'm dead to it. Let that be your mentality. That's the way the Apostle Paul viewed it. That's the way we should too. Father, we thank you for the bread the juice we consecrate it it is set apart it's now the flesh and blood of Jesus 
we receive it by faith as that. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you, Father God, for grace to walk close to you and the walk preserved as salt and light with moral purity, sexual purity in the midst of a dark world. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's now receive the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. God's grace on your life, God's light, God's glory on your life. Mm. I see the world looking at you with, with an envy, with an envy thinking, I wish I could be clean like they are. I wish I could be clean like that person is. Mm. Sin makes you dirty. Sin defiles your conscience. But that is not for you. That's for the unbelievers. For you, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when your life is right with God, you're happy. Woo! Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it and all of his life-giving benefits in his name. Amen. Let's drink. My friends, I want to encourage you to practice and develop practical holiness. How you live your life every day, every hour. Look for the grace of God. It's more than you need. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.